Welcome to another episode of Topical with Michael Schaefer. I'm writing solo this week. I did have a really great guest booked. Unfortunately, they've come down with COVID, which is weird because I was pretty sure it was a hoax. But that just means I'm writing solo this week, which I think is uh, probably for the best because I'm going to be talking about uh, some pretty controversial topics. Barry Humphreys has sadly passed away. We're talking about his legacy we're going to talk about these anti-drag protests that are happening in Melbourne at the moment. And also we'll talk about Anzac Day. So uh, get ready for some hot, hot takes on those light-hearted, easy-to-digest topics. Before we get into that, I've got shows coming up at the Sydney Comedy Festival 4th and 5th of May. Then I'm in Darwin on the 13th of May. Brisbane at the end of May for the Brisbane Comedy Festival. That's almost sold out. And Gold Coast on the 3rd of June before I head to the UK. London and Edinburgh are up on my website, michaelshafer.com. With all that out of the way, let's get to the best intro music in the business and I'll be back with some hot takes. That's one small step for podcasts. One giant leap for comedy. We are stripped down and ready to go. I'll never surrender. But I ain't spending any time on it. Please explain. I'm going to. Okay? Ladies and gentlemen, Barry Humphreys is dead. And I will say this, he would probably love that I've opened by saying ladies and gentlemen because he was a man who believed strictly in there only being two genders. So, Barry Humphreys, if you don't know who he was, uh, he was the guy who dressed up as uh, Dame Edna, made a pretty big uh, career from doing that, which is weird because then towards the end of his life, people asked him about his thoughts on transgender people and gender identity, etc. And he decided to uh, absolutely uh, confuse everyone about his legacy by just a couple years before dying, going on these really weird transphobic... Uh, tangents that seemed very bizarre just for a man who made his entire career like literally dressed up as a dame. So it's just a strange kind of pivot for him. Anyway, he's dead. And so now people are debating his legacy and what his legacy means. And I will say this, uh, God, this is a boring conversation to have every time someone problematic dies. For some reason, it's not permitted to have like a nuanced take not even even the word nuance is too nuanced for this you you just can't acknowledge that someone can be funny and also have shitty transphobic harmful views for some reason you can't be both you can you, you have to either be a, a funny legendary figure who completely uh, who was the funniest person in your in your entire existence you have to be this absolute hero of Australian culture who put Australian comedy on the map. You're either that or you're a raging bigot and you need to be uh, destroyed and uh, made an example of. Like, there's no in-between anymore. There's, I, I, Sammy J, who's a very, very funny comedian, wrote an article in The Age where he tried to kind of acknowledge both sides. He was like, yeah, this guy was very funny and an icon of Australian comedy. Also... Uh, said some really awful stuff about the transgender community, a, a minority that's kind of had a, a tough run of late and puts that on Twitter. And of course, you know, people on Twitter are, you know, uh, famous for their balanced, measured responses. 
gets absolutely rinsed by both sides. People saying, oh, you're defending a bigot. And other people saying, like, he's the funniest person ever. Who the fuck are you? Nuance is dead. You can't possibly have a, a measured, reasonable opinion on this man. You've got to take a side. Otherwise, everyone hates you. I will say this. I don't want to defend Barry Humphreys. But I will say this. This is a guy who was born so long ago. I mean, he died. At, he was born like the early, I don't know, 16th century. I don't know. How, he was very old. He's an old bloke. He's from a time when uh, he died at 89. So you'd have to be, what's that? The 19, do the quick maths. 19, you guys are listening to this, doing the maths faster than me. 2023, get rid of 89. So you get rid of the nine first. That gets down to 2014. Then you get rid of 80 from that. And that's 1904 is when he was born. So the point being, he's from a time when uh, there was only one gender when he grew up. So this is a time in history where there was just men. Just men. That was the only gender. Uh, they, like Men hadn't yet uh, realised that women exist. Uh, women only started to exist, I think, like when they got the right to vote in like the 60s or I don't know, it was before then. But the point being, women didn't really, it was just one gender. So think about how hard it is for him to go from, okay, I'm from a time of one gender. Now there's, there's two genders, which is already twice as many genders than what he's used to. That's already a huge thing for his mind to grapple with. And then he goes through the next phase of uh, progression and now there's many genders. Gender is a construct. Sometimes you can Google gender right now. It'll say that there's uh, 12... Google said to me recently that there are 12 genders uh, at the moment, which I think is great. Celebrate all the genders. Go for it. My point being, imagine if you're Barry Humphreys, you've gone from one gender to, to 12 genders. That is a... A 1,200% increase in genders just over the course of your lifetime. That's going to be confusing for him. He's not going to understand what a transgender person is. He's not going to understand what it means to be non-binary. He's, he doesn't understand what a pronoun is. His pronouns are a, a dame. This is a confused man. And then at the end of his life, when he's riddled with dementia we ask him a question about gender. Who is putting these questions to these old riddled men who are clearly going to have these bigoted, outdated answers? I mean, asking Barry Humphreys, an old man, a question about gender, it's like when they find a retired AFL player who's been bashed in the head repeatedly for decades and decades and is suffering from undiagnosed CTE that makes them prone to bashing up people, it's like going up to them and saying, oh, are you going to vote yes on the upcoming Voice to Parliament referendum? Why are we asking these questions of people who are clearly incapable of having any response and who clearly are not, it's not just not their expertise. You just, you should just be asking Barry Humphreys only ever about comedy and Dame Edna and that other character he did, Les or whatever. And you should ask footballers only about football stuff and cocaine, things that they are experts on. 
the fact that we are expecting our icons from these generations of the past to be uh, to have good, interesting, thoughtful answers about topics that have only recently come into the zeitgeist is just it's not fair to us. It's not fair to them. And now here we are having to debate his legacy. It should have just been no one put a microphone in front of this bloke's face. As soon as he retired, everyone should have said no more microphones for Barry Humphreys. I think just as soon as you hit a certain age, maybe 80, whatever it is, we stop uh, asking you questions about anything because we got to protect ourselves and we have to protect these old icons from ruining their legacies. It's depressing that we have to have this conversation every time someone with a problematic view dies but also had a bit of talent so we have to celebrate the talent so it's it's so annoying and pointless and boring it's a tedious conversation what is particularly frustrating about it is the uh the cancellation of barry humphreys which happened five years ago when he made these transphobic comics uh, comments is now being relitigated for no one's purpose here so when he made these comments he uh, had the, the award at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival for the best show at the Comedy Festival. was named after him. It was called the, the, the Barry. I know, Barry Humphreys Award for the best show at the festival. So when Barry Humphreys you know, decided to make these awful, awful comments about the transgender community, the Melbourne International Comedy Festival was like, oh, we probably should maybe not name an award after him anymore. Now, I think that's pretty reasonable because... What happens if a transgender comedian wins that award and they go, oh, hey, transgender comedian, uh, here's an award. Oh, who's it named after? Uh, Barry Humphreys, famous transphobe Barry Humphreys. We've named this award after a man who doesn't think you exist and now here's your award. I mean, that was just a preposterous uh, thing that could have easily happened if the festival didn't change the name of the award. So I think they kind of had to do that. And everyone's like saying, oh, this is Barry Humphreys being cancelled. Cancel culture strikes again. Poor, old, fragile Barry Humphreys is being cancelled at the age of 84. How do you cancel someone at the age of 84? Let's be honest here. What was his career like at the age of 84? I don't think he, was, he wasn't performing. He wasn't, you know, getting out the kit, putting on the glasses and the purple frock and... And the hair, he, he wasn't performing. I mean, what, what career opportunities were denied to Barry Humphreys at the age of 84 by having this award that was previously named after him changed to just the most outstanding show at the Comedy Festival? What did he miss out on? Maybe, maybe he could have gone into I'm a Celeb, Get Me Out of Here. Maybe that was probably the last thing he might have been able to do in the Australian entertainment industry maybe he lost an opportunity to go into the african jungle and be force-fed bull's testicles for a gleeful audience of australians who want to see a, a, a that would actually be quite ironic to see barry humphreys eat testicles just because he would be presumably very upset about the 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 animal from from which the testicles had come. It'd be like, did you, did you force them to transition? Is that what you've done? So maybe we couldn't give him the bull's testicles because I think that would again out him as, as a transfer. My point being, what opportunities did he lose 
in his old age when he came out as transphobic. I just don't see how that's a cancellation. The overarching point, though, is this. Stop asking old Australian icons who have beautiful, perfect, wholesome legacies. Stop asking them questions when there's a 50-50 chance they're going to fuck it up, which is such high odds. Like if you say to them, hey, do you think trans people are, are real and deserve rights? They're going to say yes or no. 50-50 chance of fucking that up. Don't give them the chance. Just don't ask them anything. It's, you know, it happens too many times. So Dawn Fraser was uh, asked to comment on uh, Nick Kyrgios uh, a few years ago when Nick Kyrgios was being a real bad boy and said he didn't want to like, represent Australia or whatever because he wasn't feeling the love and respect from Australia. And then Dawn Fraser, who up until that point, everyone's like, oh, she's the best. She's a wonderful Olympic athlete and she's the greatest swimmer of all time, etc., etc. What could she possibly do now to ruin that? And then she was like, oh, maybe Nick Kyrgios should just go back to where he came from. When he came from Canberra, um, no one wants to go back to Canberra. Apologies to my Canberra listeners, but it's no one wants to go there. Point being, why did we ask Dawn Fraser a question that could so easily lead her into a racist tirade? Equally, uh, Margaret Court. So a few years ago, we're having the big plebiscite about whether or not uh, gay people should have the right to get married. I mean, that whole moment in Australian history was just preposterous, ridiculous, whatever. But we're having this debate about whether gay people should have rights. And who do we go to to, to get... Who, who do you want to listen to when we're discussing important uh, social, cultural issues about the rights of our fellow human being? Well, of course, we go to a woman who was very good at tennis in the 50s. Uh, a woman who has a very, very... I don't want to like shame uh, people's appearances, but she's got a very long neck, and um, it's just it, it take. It, whenever I see her or hear her talk, I'm only drawn to the neck, and I just want to I want to find out what the neck thinks on on these topics, if anything. But the point being is that Margaret Court gets asked for her thoughts on uh, gay rights, and she's like a religious Christian Catholic, whatever. And then she says, oh, I'm, I'm voting no. I, I just, she doesn't think that, she thinks that homosexual is a sin or, or whatever. Just classic, you know, religious stuff. And she says, oh, I think we should vote no. I don't think it's a good idea. And then huge outrage, huge outrage. Again, we gave her a 50-50 shot. Either you say, yeah, this is good and you're on the right side of history. Or no, this is bad. And you've ruined your legacy and you've, and you've ruined it for all of us. Because now you go to Margaret Court Arena at the Australian Open, and you're like, ugh, ugh, you know, ugh. It's, and I, I'm not saying we should change the name of Margaret Court Arena because I, I don't think that just erasing her from history is the right answer here. I mean, just because she's a homophobe doesn't mean she's, she was bad at tennis. She was still very good at tennis, and the reason she got her name on the arena is because she's good at tennis, I think if she got her name on the arena for services to the, the LGBTQI plus community, then you'd be like, oh, we probably have to take her name off the arena just because she's kind of like undone all the good work she did to get herself on that arena. But she, she didn't get her name on the arena for being an ally. She got it on the arena for having a, just a, a good serve, a good, a good serve volley game, having endurance, they're different qualities that we're celebrating with having her name 
on the arena. I mean, if she got her name on the arena for being gay, then fair enough. If they were like, you know, she had a great tennis career, but it was really her, her scissoring that really put her on the map. Then I'd be like, okay, look, she's probably undone herself now. But uh, no, that's not reason. That's not the reason why she's on the on the arena. As far as I haven't done research into this, but I'm pretty sure she's on there for the um, for the tennis and not for the for being a lesbian. So I guess my point being is we gotta stop asking Aussie icons for their thoughts on these issues because it's upsetting when we find out what they really think about things that matter. Just ask them the stuff that. They've been trained by the media to talk about and the the areas in which they're an expert. I mean, you think about all these Australian icons that uh, are still like... I mean, Rod Laver, thank God his uh, reputation has not been tarnished. And I can only presume it hasn't been tarnished because no one has been stupid enough to ask him yet about his thoughts on any cultural issues. Like, no one's been like, hey, mate, same-sex marriage... Yes or no? Hey, mate, transgender people, do they exist? Uh, you got, I, I don't think that Rod Laver has his pronouns in his email signature. I don't think he does, but let's not find out. Let's not ask, hey, mate, what are your thoughts on uh, immigration? Let's not ask. Let's not r- give him that 50-50 shot of, of fucking up his legacy and then forcing us in a couple of days, weeks, months, he doesn't have much time left, but when he dies, let, let's not force ourselves into this another boring conversation about what his legacy is meant to be and how we're meant to remember him and how we can't possibly, you know, have a nuanced take on anything. We have to be one side over the other. Let's not force ourselves to do that again. Paul Hogan, another classic Australian who we all love, the original Crocodile Dundee. I mean, let's not ask his thoughts on climate change. Let's not ask his thoughts on the upcoming voice to parliament. Don't ask him what he thinks of Pauline Hanson. Leave the man alone. I mean, he almost destroyed his reputation with the, the tax stuff, you know? I mean, that's usually that's okay. You can If you don't pay tax in Australia people will mostly forgive that because most people don't want to... No one wants to give the government money. So that's not a... Not paying tax, that's not that's not a cancellable offence. But if you ask him for an opinion on a social issue and he gets it wrong, and remember, 50-50 chance he will, he's going to... There's a good chance he's going to mess it up. Let's just stop asking these people questions. We need to just preserve our own mental health with this. I know the reason why they do it. It's because journalists, the media... They need something to report on. I mean, it's been this is the death of Barry Humphreys has been just an absolute godsend for right wing media. You got the Australian, you got all the Murdoch Press, the Herald Sun, the Daily Telegraph, Sky News, all these people have been like, What a bloody legend he was. We bloody love Barry Humphreys. I'm pretty sure they love him because of the transphobia first. And then the secondary, they're like also pretty funny too sometimes. So it's been a godsend for them because they can put out all these articles. You know, just get their base riled up, get all the clicks. So that's the only reason that we're having this conversation is because you've got these journalists who are desperate for content and so they're trying to entrap our Aussie icons in order to get them to say something fucked so that they can write articles when they die that are going to get them a lot of clicks. But let's stop doing that. It's really boring. Let's move on. There's another big story that's happening at the moment. There is a, uh, the Monash City Council, which is uh, in Melbourne, 
uh, is uh, planning to do a, a drag time story event in a few weeks' time. Uh, it's for kids. I've talked about this on the podcast previously. Uh, this is our big hot-button culture war issue that um, we've got drag queens reading to children. Um, I had a great chat about this with a good friend of mine, uh, James Donald Falls McCann, a few episodes ago. If you want to listen to that episode, go check that out. It was maybe like three or four episodes ago. Really interesting because he's uh, a Catholic and he doesn't think that uh, drag queens should be reading to kids. Uh, I kind of disagreed with that, but it was actually quite a good discussion. And the point being, the drag queens are reading, uh, are planning to read to these kids in a few weeks. And you, you, we can't, you know, in, in Australia, that's f- for some reason that is just a front page issue. So what's happened is the council was deciding whether or not and how this event would go ahead. All these protesters descend on the council meeting. They interrupt it and they start yelling about how uh, drag queens and the council are grooming children and allowing children to be sexualized. Just that same kind of nonsense we've been hearing for, for quite a while. I guess the reason why I find this particularly upsetting is that, it's, look, it's happening more and more in Australia. And what I find upsetting is, like, we've clearly just borrowed this idea that drag queens are grooming our children from the American conspiracy theorists. So this is just like a, a QAnon conspiracy that's been around for a couple of years and it's taken hold in American culture and that's why you see a lot of these protests over in the US and now it's like seeped into Australian culture so a lot of people in Australia now believe that there's this huge uh, pedophilia ring uh, and they're, they're grooming our kids and they're, they're not wrong that does exist but it's called the Catholic Church we've known about it for quite a long time but they now think that there's also this like drag queen pedophilia ring and that the whole thing is about grooming children and sexualizing children my point is can we just come up with our own conspiracies uh first i mean how bereft are we in australia of imagination and creativity that we constantly have to borrow ideas from other countries to keep ourselves entertained and in this case we're borrowing this QAnon conspiracy theory trying to apply it in Australia and it's getting people riled up. I feel like it's just embarrassing as an Australian that we come we can't come up with our own good conspiracy theories anymore because there used to be some great ones. And I mean, I think probably the best, perhaps most famous uh, conspiracy theory in Australia is Harold Holt's disappearance. So Harold Holt was, uh, for any of our non-Australian listeners, Prime Minister of Australia. This was like a few decades ago, I think 50s or 60s. Anyway... He went for a swim in the ocean and disappeared. And he was you know, presumed to have drowned and he's, di- and he's dead. Anyway, great conspiracies popped up from all of that. Some people were like, oh no, the, the UFO, he was claimed by aliens. Aliens abducted him and took him away. Um, that's one conspiracy. My favorite conspiracy about that is um, he was uh, picked up by a Chinese submarine and whisked over to Beijing, where he's been kept as prisoner ever since. That's a good conspiracy. We can all enjoy a bit of that. We can all be like, oh, imagine imagine going for a swim in the ocean. Uh, next thing you know, a submarine pops up in front of you and says, uh, Ni hao, Mr. Holt, you're coming with us. And he's like, uh, why? I am the Prime Minister of Australia. 
And uh, who knows why I'm swimming by myself in the ocean uh, in rough seas, but here I am. And they're like, no, you're coming with us. And I pop him in the hole. I take him back to Beijing. And now he's over there still eating dumplings or just enjoying his time over in Beijing. That is a great conspiracy theory. That's a bit of fun. We can all enjoy that. And also think about the creativity slash, um, you know, marijuana that would be required to just concoct that story. And it's, it has taken hold in the zeitgeist. A lot of people are aware of this conspiracy theory. And also just a, a beautiful footnote to all this for uh, non-Australian listeners is that in Melbourne, near where I live, they named a, uh, a swimming pool after Harold Holt, which is um, obviously very funny and um, kind of just uh, comedically quite pure to name. I mean, the guy presumably drowned and now they've named a, a swimming pool after him. I guess so if you think that he was abducted by the Chinese, maybe they should like name like a, a dumpling house after him, maybe that would be more, more ironic, the Harold Holt Dumpling House. If you see the Harold Holt Dumpling House, you know that the owners of that are conspiracy theorists. My point being, pretty funny stuff. You know, naming a swimming pool after him or a dumpling house after him, that's great. Good conspiracies. These are fun conspiracies that we can all agree on. And now instead, we've just got these insane people who believe that there are tunnels being built under major cities to traffic uh, children for sex and they believe it's happening in Australia, in Melbourne and they think that the tunnels are underneath the Monash City Council and then there's like a hatch and every now and again like they pop up out of the ground like the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, and they being the drag queens, they pop up in their, in their, uh, in their dresses and the, they bring the kids with them out of the sewers and they read a, a story to the children to assist in their literacy and and then they um, pop back down into the tunnels and, and roam around and go to the next drag time story event I mean it's it's a it's it's a it's interesting it's it's an interesting thing to believe I just wish it was like a homegrown conspiracy theory we just don't manufacture anything in this country anymore we used to manufacture you know cars Holden Ford we used to make our own flags. Now they're being made in China. Again, quite ironically. Maybe that actually does give a lot of fuel to the whole the Chinese abducted Harold Holt conspiracy that, of course, the Chinese are manufacturing our flags. I mean, they've got one of our prime ministers. Of course, they, they know what to do with the flag. Point being, we don't manufacture anything in this country anymore. We used to manufacture stuff. We don't ever manufacture our own conspiracies anymore. It's pathetic. It's embarrassing. Can we at least come up with our own conspiracies? Because at least our ones are fun. The American ones are quite nefarious and they're quite divisive and uh, they lead to violence. Whereas the stuff about Harold Holt uh, getting abducted by China, a bit of fun. We can all enjoy that. Last thing I want to chat about today is uh, Anzac Day, which uh, uh, was just a few days ago. And uh, there's something off about Anzac Day for me every year, the way that it is... Uh, like commemorated because I don't think it is commemorated well um, because I think a lot of it is just glorifying war and it's an opportunity for the military to kind of recruit and just uh, uh, glorify the deaths of of soldiers. I, it's bizarre to me that you know Anzac Day is in particular it's about obviously commemorating the incredible service of all the people who serve in the Australian Defence Forces. Uh, but of course, it's predominantly about remembering 
the Anzacs who arrived in Gallipoli uh, in the First World War, which I gotta say is one of the most, uh, one of the greatest catastrophes and disasters in Australian military history, perhaps just in Australian history, is was that landing in Gallipoli. I mean, we basically, firstly, what are we doing in Turkey? First of all, I mean, we're only in Turkey because the British were at war and we're like part of the Commonwealth. So we're like, ugh, we gotta, okay, I guess we gotta help out mum and dad because they're, they're going to war. And also there was this whole idea like, oh, we're a young country. A war will be good for our national identity. It'll give us something to, to unite over. So we send all these 18-year-olds to war and what we do is we just uh, plonk them on a beach with no assistance, uh, with no planning, and we just and they just get mowed down brutally and awfully for for days and days and days, and we lose thousands and thousands of young men who otherwise could have just been you know in Australia doing whatever they were going to do, being on the farm, shearing some sheep, whatever it was people did back in the day. It's an absolute disaster. It's a catastrophe, and for some reason Anzac Day never really highlights that. I think Anzac Day should just be about how bad is war? It's so shit. And we fucked up so bad. And also, we're still fucking up quite a bit. You know, we're still going to wars that we shouldn't be involved in. And we're still losing a lot of people every day fighting for a cause that really we shouldn't be kind of near. But we don't do that. Instead, we just have Anzac Day we, we go and watch the footy, we get pissed, and it's, it's not really commemorating the core issue, which is this, uh, this military complex that is still sending uh, young, brave people to their deaths for what I think are uh, causes that are really not necessarily uh, huge threats to our national interests. So... That's the problem with it. It also does remind me how we're basically never going to um, change our attitude towards Australia Day. Because a lot of people say, like, Australia Day, we can just keep it on Jan 26. However, we can just, like, uh, not have a big celebration. Just make it a day of commemoration and remembering the genocide committed against the Indigenous people in the pursuit of... Uh, uh, creating this this country. So that's what Australia Day could be in the eyes of people who want to, you know, change the date. I just don't think we're capable of that because Anzac Day is meant to be a day of uh, commemoration and remembering the uh, sacrifice of and being somber and sad and solemn. It's a whole thing. It's like, hey, lest we forget, lest we forget, lest we forget. And then it's like, oh, but we're going to go to the footy now for a couple of hours you know, get drunk, get pissed, have a fun day. The whole thing is just off to me. The whole day is off to me. It's meant to be a day of being solemn. I think if you're going to the, you're waking up at dawn to go to the dawn service, that's fantastic. That's actually a way to be solemn and commemorate and try to learn something from the day and pass the awful, awful truth about war onto the next generation. That's amazing. But the way that we've just kind of like co-opted Anzac Day and been like, oh, we're going to the footy as well and it's a bit of fun, there's something really off about it and it just shows to me that even if we turn Jan 26 into a day of 
you know, memorial, we'll still be like, oh, but we'll just have the, we'll have a cricket game on to memorialise the genocide of Indigenous people. I just don't think we're capable of it. It just reminds me that we're probably going to have to actually change the date um, because if we keep it on Jan 26 and try to uh, be solemn, it's just not really in Australian culture to do that. Guys, that's the end of today's episode. I hope that was uh, funny slash interesting slash just not boring uh, as I try to not be boring on this podcast. If you enjoyed it, uh, give it a nice review. Uh, give it a comment. Uh, share it with someone. It helps the podcast grow. Uh, if you didn't enjoy it, um, just, yeah, tell me, I guess. Um, you know, comment on all the social media sites, um, how much you disagree with it. Um, I think that the more negativity we can get on social media, the better. I just don't think that... Uh, it's just a real like awful um, cesspool of positivity right now, right now, Twitter. So if, we can, if you can just tweet at me um, how much I'm a piece of shit, that would be um, really good just to kind of like change up the timeline a little bit for people and for me in particular. Um, I really hope we resolve this, uh, this drag queen bullshit that's happening. Maybe we just get the drag queens to dress up as, uh, as, as Dame Edna because I feel like the people who are anti-drag queen are also the same people who are like Dame Edna, Barry Humphreys, greatest comedian ever. So maybe if we could, maybe we could meet halfway and just say, yeah, we'll have the drag time story hour, but they're also going to dress up as, as Dame Edna and we're commemorating uh, Barry Humphreys which is something, commemoration is something we do so well in this country. So maybe that's a solution. Let's see if that happens. Thanks again for listening. Hopefully I'll see you at a show in the future. Otherwise, I'll see you next week for another episode of Topical with Michael Schaefer.